You're listening to the official South Bay Church podcast. For more about us, please visit southbaychurch.us. Amen. Amen. I don't know about you, but um, maybe it's like a Pavlov's dog thing, but when I hear that music, I just want to eat carnitas. <laughs> like right now, my mouth is salivating. Uh, I guess that's the only time I listen to that kind of music, I guess. I don't know. But, um, so I got this. We're, we're wrapping up our series today called uh, Church Without Walls. And uh, I, I got, it's funny, I got an email this week you might be able to relate to. The email said, what's this sermon series about? I've been getting comments from people who are confused by these sermons. People's eyes are glazing over. And uh, you know what, I'll take responsibility for that. We try to really communicate clearly, try to be organized, but sometimes, you know, I mean, sometimes it might seem a little bit disjointed, but here, here's my take on it, is you know when you're watching a, a TV show or movie and in the middle you're kind of like, what is this about? I'm, I'm confused. You know, who, who is that person again? Or he was, who killed who? No, wait, that's the bad guy. You know what I mean? Like, hopefully that's the situation. And today it'll all wrap up and you'll be like, oh, I totally understand where we were going with this sermon series. That's the goal today. The whole idea of this sermon series is that who is the church meant to be in the world and who are you when it comes to being a part of the church? So who's the church meant to be in the world, and then how do you fit into that? How do you fit into that? And I wanted to show that video, first of all, because to me, that's a six-minute dose of exactly what this sermon series is about, is the kingdom of God is not meant to be, you know, a happy little church that's just, you know, a community center, and, and you just, you're friends with each other. It's meant to be, like, expanding, to reach the needs of the poor, to reach the people who are disenfranchised, to, to reach people who are hurting, to, to reach people from other nations, you know, people who are nothing like us. That's the whole idea of the kingdom of God. That's the whole idea of the church as the fulfillment of the kingdom of God on earth is to have no boundaries, to have no borders, to expand, right? To, to be without walls. And uh, so I just want to remind you kind of where we've been uh, with this series. We, we, we heard from Steve Lounsbury about the work in the Middle East he gave us some specifics and some stories and, and uh, who, who those churches are and what those are like. We got to hear specifically from uh, uh, Fadi last week and, and uh, her son. And, you know, that was, uh, wait, is, is the son Fadi? Yes. What? Samar and Fadi. Okay, sorry. You know how that is. It's not, if it's Bill and Fred, I got it. But it's, you know. <laughs> Uh, so Samar and her son Fadi, we got to hear from them. We got to hear from Roberto uh, de la Cruz about the stuff going on in Tijuana and the Mexican churches uh, several weeks ago. And then we've been kind of walking through little snapshots in Luke of who Jesus was. And Luke, the, Luke wrote the book of Luke. He also wrote the book of Acts. And his purpose was really similar to what we're talking about with this topic is that uh, the, the church was meant to be for all nations. And so in Luke, he's sort of tracing uh, Jesus's ministry from there in Jerusalem, but then to to the outskirts, you know, to the to the people, the Samaritans, and to people who are on the out. His his role, the role of women in the church is greatly elevated by Jesus. And then in Acts, you might kind of wonder what happened to the apostles because it begins in Acts with the apostles, and then it just follows Paul. But that's on purpose because Luke was a Gentile who was converted by Paul, and so a lot of the reason he wrote the book of Acts was to give support to the Gentile ministry and to what Paul was doing. And, uh, and so the, the apostles, after Paul went out and planted all these churches, the apostles actually, they also went out and planted all these churches. They didn't at first, but, but, but even, even them, they didn't have a plan necessarily. It was the Holy Spirit that used them, though, and, and expanded the church. And so 
the, the book of Acts begins in Jerusalem and it ends with Paul in Rome. And so that's kind of uh, Luke showing the, the, the trajectory of the church. It's going out into all the world. It's going out into all nations. We'll talk more about that in a minute. But, and uh, we're going to do a series on Acts in the fall. Uh, I'm taking a class on the book of Acts. It'll probably be late fall, but so I'm looking forward to like learning stuff and then sharing that with all of you. But in Luke, uh, starting out uh, in Luke 2, we, when, when Jesus was first presented at the temple, uh, Simeon, this prophet, made a prophecy about Jesus that he would cause the rising and falling of many in Israel. And so Jesus would be a Messiah who would shake things up. He would bring in a different kind of kingdom, Mark talked about. And Simeon was, was so excited to get gotten to witness the beginning of that kingdom. He felt like he could go to heaven in peace because he'd seen just the beginning. But Jesus was going to shake it up. He was going to, uh, the, the, the people in power would no longer be in power. The temple model, which had been established, would be shaken up and things would be different. And in Luke 4, Jesus, in his first public sermon, Jesus uh, claims for himself these prophecies of the Old Testament about the servant of Yahweh. Jesus says, today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. So Jesus fulfilled that portrait of, of who Jesus always envisioned Israel to be, but Israel didn't become, which was a servant to all nations. Uh, Jesus filled that role, filled that profile of the servant of Yahweh. And as his followers, we are to be servants of Yahweh anywhere we are, and whatever we do. Um, we talked in Luke 17 about how the kingdom of God is in your midst. So right when we're here, you know, Jesus said, wherever two or more gather, there I am. He said, the kingdom of God isn't this established government. It's not, uh, he, didn't, he didn't get a bunch of soldiers and conquer the Roman Empire. He brought a spiritual kingdom that is within us. It's in our midst. And, and it's not what was expected. Uh, a lot of times God works in ways we don't expect, but it's a spiritual kingdom and, uh, and it's advancing to all nations. And then last week, uh, Steve traced, you know, this idea throughout all of, all of Scripture, this idea of, of breaking down walls and breaking down barriers, how even from the very beginning in the Garden of Eden, uh, the, the, the distance between God and man uh, became there. You know, once was intimate, now there was separation. But through Jesus, through his blood, uh, we can be brought back into that intimate relationship with God. And uh, Luke 19, 10, when, when Jesus was, was reaching out to Zacchaeus, again, a guy that nobody else would want to hang out with. You know, Jesus comes to town, Zacchaeus is the last person. You know, it's like, you know, imagine you're in this small town, everybody knows everybody. Uh, Zacchaeus is, is the, the town bully. He's the worst guy in the town. And Jesus goes straight for him. And he's, you know, up in a tree, you know, hiding out. And, and Jesus says, the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. And so as, the, as his church, that's why we're here, right? We're not here just to be friends with each other or just to make, make sure we take care of ourselves. We're here to, to look for the needs, to, to get out there, to, to reach out. So now we're, we're going to close out here with Luke 24. If you turn over there, and I'm going to say a quick prayer. The, the title of the lesson today is Witness to All Nations in Luke 24. So let's pray. God, thank you to be able to look into your scriptures uh, thank you for the way they come alive in our, in our lives today. Uh, thank you for uh, the way that you uh, don't leave us alone, but you've given us the Holy Spirit to guide us. Uh, God, that you give us the scriptures to, to, to shape our lives. Thank you for this community and for each other and for the way that uh, we can learn and grow from the relationships we share with, share with one another. I pray right now, God, most of, more than anything, that you give us a vision of what you want our church to be what you want the South, church to be, South Bay Church to be, who you want us to be in, as we exist in this community, as we're trying to, to make a difference in this world. Give each person here a vision of what you want for them 
uh, to be as witnesses of what they have seen and heard. I pray every person here walks away with something, and it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So Luke 24, um, if you want to follow along, we have an app, a South Bay Church app. Uh, if you don't have that yet, the notes are in there. And, and I, I forget to mention this, but um, if you want to save the notes you take, you got to email it to yourself right there at the end. It'll say send to email, email you those notes. So if you, if you take notes and then you go back to the app later, those notes won't be there anymore because you got to email them to yourself. So sorry about that if you've experienced that like a couple of you have. Uh, but uh, if you read in your, in your Bible, we're going to be reading just for a little bit in Luke 24, and then the, the other scriptures I'm just going to throw on the screen that we'll, we'll be looking at, but mostly we'll stay in Luke 24. Also, one more thing before we jump into the Bible, I forgot to mention we have a leaders meeting after church. Who, who are the leaders? No, I mean like raise your hand if you go, just so you heard me. So leaders meeting after church, free lunch, but you got to be giving yeah. <laughs> and have a good attitude. No. Uh, All right, Luke 24, it says, While they were still talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. So what they're talking about is two of them had been on a road to Emmaus, and Jesus himself had started walking along with them. And this was common, you know, you have long, long walks in the first century. And so this other guy starts walking with them, and it says they were kept from recognizing him. So he's walking along with them, and we've talked about this story before. He kind of plays with them a little bit. So, what are you talking about? You know, and... They're like, what do you mean? What do you, you haven't heard what's going on? And so, oh, no, tell me about it. So then they, they tell him about himself. They tell him about Jesus, and Jesus kind of plays along like he doesn't know what they're talking about. It's just a, it's a really funny, hilarious story. But then at the end, they realize who he is as they break bread together, but then he disappears, and he's gone. So now they're telling everybody else about it, and they're in a small room. They're gathered together, and he, and he suddenly appears uh, with them. He says, peace be with you. They were startled and frightened, thinking they saw a ghost. I would imagine so. They'd witnessed Jesus be crucified, brutally killed by the, by the Romans, uh, buried in a tomb, and now here he is with them. Verse 38, he said to them, Why are you troubled, and why do doubts rise in your minds? Look at my hands and my feet. It is I myself. Touch me and see. A ghost does not have flesh and bones, as you see I have. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and feet. And while they still did not believe it because of joy and amazement, he asked them, Do you have anything here to eat? They gave him a, fish, a, bro- a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and ate it in their presence. He said to them, This is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. Then he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. He told them, this is what is written. Okay, so here's like the cliff notes. Here's the spark notes. That's the new thing, right, teens? Spark notes? You guys all know about that. that, that this, is the, this is it right here. Here's the whole thing. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, and repentance for, and forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. I'm going to send you what my Father has promised, but stay in the city until you've been clothed with power from on high. So first thing we're going to talk about is this idea that Jesus would suffer and rise from the dead. Uh, Jesus risen is the point, first point. So Jesus, uh, again, appears in this small room, and his, his message to them is, this isn't going to stay here. You're going to be witnesses to the ends of the earth. From this little small room, this little gathered group of people, to the whole world. I mean, that, that is kind of an audacious idea. But it really begins with the fact that he has all authority because he rose from the dead. And this is a physical resurrection. 
He has a new physical body. You notice what he says in the scripture there. He says, touch me and see, I am flesh and bone. And, and because they still are hard, have a hard time believing, they, they, they say, he says, do we have anything here to eat? Uh, that's, you know, as, as teenagers say when they enter a home, you know, you have anything here to eat? And, uh, and it says he ate a piece of boiled fish right there in their presence. That's a, a very specific detail. It was, a broil, it was broiled fish. That just tells you they remembered even what it was. You know, it wasn't like, oh, I think he ate something. No, he ate a piece of boiled fish. Because why? Because this is crazy. He, he's eating food and, and he just sort of appeared here. So there's something really mysterious about Jesus' body that he's, he's suddenly there and then he'll be suddenly gone. But it is a physical body. And so the, the, the scriptures say that we will be like him. Our citizenship is in heaven. We eagerly await a savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so they may be like his glorious body. So we face a physical resurrection someday from the dead. We have a physical future, a new heaven, a new earth. That might be different than you might, the picture you might have had of heaven of like sitting on a cloud as a kind of a ghost and strumming a harp. You know, that's not what it's going to be. It's a new kingdom. It's a new heaven. It's a new earth. And, and what, what Dustin said the other day is, you know, that, that what we experience in the kingdom of God here on earth is just a foretaste. It's just like a Costco uh, sample of what the real thing is. And so that, that, that's important because, you know, this isn't the end-all be-all, just this little gathering here. We're, we're looking forward to this future kingdom where, where Jesus does return and, and where we all are transformed to be like him in this new kingdom. And you might say, that sounds kind of weird. Uh, well, if you study science, uh, matter and energy and, and this physical world we're in now is really weird anyways. Do you know what I mean? Like, they don't even understand how it all works. In fact, you know, 98% of all the matter in the universe, they don't even understand what it is. You know, dark matter and dark energy. And, um, you know, we, we are mostly, the, the more they learn about quantum physics and the more, the more they get to the granular level, they, they realize that all of matter, everything is really all just math. Like, everything that we think is physical is not really even there. It's all just kind of math. You might remember we showed a video about that a while back. And if you don't believe me, ask an engineer or somebody who's, you know, really gifted in that. And I'm a musician, you know, what do I know? But, but it's true, like, this world is already weird, you know? So it's not that weird to say the creator of this world is going to make a new world. And maybe there will be different laws or maybe there will be different ways that, of being in that world. We don't understand. But all they knew is like, all we know is Jesus, we saw him dead, we saw his body, and then he was there in our midst. And it wasn't just one person, it wasn't just two people, it was... A whole bunch of people. The Bible says over 500 people saw him risen from the dead. And this made a huge difference. You know, before Jesus' resurrection, the apostles were all scared. They all fled. They were all, you know, uh, on the run. Jesus was afraid of a little, I mean, uh, Peter was afraid of a little servant girl. Remember? And yet after the resurrection, they spoke boldly. They were powerful witnesses. Uh, they, 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 it made a huge impact on them, the fact that they really had seen and had heard the risen Jesus. And so for us, we, we, are, we believe because we've heard from them, and Jesus said, blessed are you that you didn't get to see my physical resurrection, but that you believe on the testimony of them. But we've all still seen and heard miracles, and we've all still seen resurrection in some way or another. And we've all seen the power of Jesus' resurrection at work. And so the, that's the most important thing. Everything turns on Jesus' suffering and rising 
from the dead. The second thing is repentance and forgiveness of sins, he says in verse 47. Uh, repentance and forgiveness of sins will be preached in all nations to, uh, beginning in Jerusalem. Uh, you know, th- this, the, the plan is to the ends of the earth. You know, in Acts 1, it says, Jesus says a similar passage kind of that happens at the same time in Acts 1.8. Jesus, Jesus says to his apostles, you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and to the ends of the earth. Have we gotten to the ends of the earth yet? No, we've still got farther to go, you know, 2,000 years later. But Jesus promised in Matthew 28, I will be with you always to the very end of the age. So Jesus is with us. But what is our message as we're going to the ends of the earth? It's repentance and forgiveness of sins. It's that people can be made new. It's that people can be brought back into a relationship with God, like Steve talked about last week. You don't have to stay a slave anymore to your sin. You don't have to stay in darkness anymore. The wall of sin can be broken down by the sacrifice of Jesus. And so that video, you know, I love that video. I wanted to show that video uh, because it's just, it's so light and it's so happy and it's so fun. It's just so... Uh, what we want to create, that we're rescuing people. I love all those baptisms on the video. And if, if you're new to the fellowship or you don't know what that is, it might have seemed really weird. Like, what are those buckets and water and they're dipping people in there? Uh, I encourage you to, to, to study more with us about that look in the scriptures. Baptism is uh, a participation in Jesus, just like he died and was buried in the ground and rose from the dead. So when we're baptized, we, the Bible says in, in Romans 6 that we are buried with him. And then we raise to a new life with him. So we are resurrected people through baptism. And all our sins are forgiven through the blood of Jesus and his sacrifice that he's made for us. But that's kind of, you know, the fact that we're preaching res- uh, resurrection and the fact that we are um, calling people to repentance uh, for the forgiveness of sins, that's something that we're doing that I would say is somewhat unique in the landscape of, of Christianity today. Um, I think in an effort to try to get as many people to be saved as possible. I'm just talking about kind of in the last couple hundred years. It seems like to me Christianity has been sort of watered down to where everybody's just, okay, I just really, what I'm hoping is just that they'll at least accept Jesus, like accept that he is the Savior. And then, okay, go, okay, okay, now they're saved. You know, but that's not what you see in scriptures. What you see in scriptures is repentance, which is a total change of frame of mind, complete transformation of the heart, like, I saw everything this way. It, it, it's, it's the, the Greek word is metanoia. So meta means change. Noia means worldview. So meta, I, I saw everything this way. Now I see everything this way. I was headed this direction. Now I'm headed a completely different re- direction. Uh, you know, the, Paul says, like in Ephesians, he says, he who has been stealing must now do something useful with his hands. Like whatever you were doing before, now you're kind of going the opposite way. That's repentance. And so we try to help people in our, in our fellowship to really repent. And so that takes kind of involvement in each other's lives, interaction with the scripture. It's more than just sitting in church on Sunday. You know what I mean? And, and that's kind of unique to our fellowship. I'm not saying nobody else is preaching repentance and forgiveness of sins, but, but it, it should give us confidence that we are trying to do what Jesus wanted us to do. The first step is, is, yeah, telling people who Jesus was, the fact that he suffered, the fact that he rose from the dead. But we can't leave it there. You know, we got to move to areas of repentance and forgiveness of sins. Uh, you know, that, that's where we really see transformation. And this is where we really fulfill what was always prophesied in the, about in the Old Testament. Like, uh, like Steve was talking about last week, oh, repentance and forgiveness. Oh, let me show you that picture. That's, that's me watching my daughter get baptized. Uh, yeah. That's a very 
proud dad moment that Pat Toomey captured on his phone for me. Thank you, Pat. Um, repentance and forgiveness uh, of sins. So like in Acts 2, uh, where the first Christian sermon, Peter, again, the guy who was hiding out and afraid of the servant girl, now he's preaching boldly. And in Acts, the, the, the apostles say, we can't help but speaking what we have seen and heard. You can't silence us because we're witnesses. Um, so he preaches this sermon and the people responding, thousands of them, are cut to the heart, it says in verse 37. Brothers, what shall we do, they ask. Verse 38, Peter replied, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. With many other words, he warned them and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Uh, so this is, Again, what Luke is talking about when it comes to repentance and forgiveness of sins, Peter is preaching it right here. When they say, what shall we do? It says, repent of your sin and be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins. And this isn't just for you listening to me. This is for your children and for all who are far off. Anybody who wants to become a Christian, this is how to do it. This is, this is the message. This is the gospel of how to respond to the grace of God. And, uh, and, 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 and there's a few things here that I mean, we could spend a lot of time on this first, but just a couple things I want to point out. I want to talk to the teens for a second. Teenagers, I know you, I really appreciate that you want to make sure that your faith is your own, right? And, uh, and, and so, you know, you, you are like, I want to make sure that I'm doing this for me. I, I mean, some of you might, I've had conversations with some, several of you, and so you, you might think I'm talking to you. I'm not, I'm talking to all of you, <laughs> you know, because so many of you have had, I've had the same conversations with but you think, okay, well, I, I got to wait until I know for sure that it's just me. Like, I got to make sure that it's, it's almost like you don't want to do it because it would be normal because your parents did. And my point is just, here, here's just my point, is that in verse 39, the promise is for you and who? Your children. So, so faith is supposed to be generational. Like, it's not bad that you want to become a Christian because your parents are. Like, that's a good thing. I think we live in such an individualized society that it's kind of like it has to all be about me and my choice and whatever. And amen, it does need to be your choice. I'm not saying get baptized just because your parents are bugging you. But, but, but I'm saying don't feel like, okay, I, I got to figure this out for myself because it's hard enough to figure yourself out when you're a teenager. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know why I'm doing what I'm doing. I, you know, I can't figure out who I am. What do I like? What don't I like? How am I going to dress? Who am I? You know, it's just, it's a crazy time. God bless you guys. You know, I became a disciple as a teenager. It was really hard, and it was a hard time in life. So I just want to take pressure off, though, that it's okay if, if you know, it, it's good and right to become a Christian because your parents are, because the promise is for your children. Uh, and it's for all who are far off. It's for all whom the Lord our God will call. So no matter any nation on earth, wherever we're going, it's still the same promise. It's still the same promise. Any language, any culture... And cultures change and styles change. Styles of worship change. The way we do church might change. And all of that's fine. But the promise remains the same. The promise of repentance and forgiveness of sins. Here's one other thing I want to say on verse 40. It says, With many other words he warned them and he pleaded with them, Save yourself from this corrupt generation. So to me, it's okay for us to warn and plead with people. Like to try to convince people. Again, we're such an individualized society we want to, we're afraid, we don't want to try to, I don't want to overly influence somebody, or I don't want to try to bug them, or, 
what everybody wants to do is what they want to do. Well, here Peter's like, he's trying to warn them. And even that, even that phrase, save yourself from this corrupt generation, like that phrase uh, would get a bad rap in modern theology. Because there's not supposed to be anything you can do to save yourself. You know, you can't do, you know, you can't do anything. I know that's kind of a response to ritualism and Catholicism and some of the, you know, the I'm okay because I did these things. Like, okay, I said 12 of this prayer, so now I'm good. Like, that's not the Bible, right? But he still, there is still something we do, right? There still it needs to be a response. And so Peter's warning them. He's pleading to save yourselves from this corrupt generation. This is a corrupt generation that we're in. It was then. How much more is it now? And so as we are, are, are doing this, we're fulfilling what God always envisioned, again, for his people. You know, in Exodus 19, he says, If you obey me fully, keep my covenant, then out of all nations you will be my treasured possession. Though the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. So God chose a certain group of people, but it wasn't for their own sake. Like he chose Abraham in, in, in Genesis 12. He says, I'm choosing you. You are blessed. Why? To be a blessing. You are blessed to be a blessing so that, so that through you, all nations will be blessed. Same thing here. Out of all nations, I'm choosing this Jewish people, but so that all nations can be blessed, that they will be a kingdom of priests to, 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 to give to everybody else, right? So God always had the whole world in his mind. But he had to choose a people, he had to choose a, 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 a particular family, but through that family to bless all nations. And we are a continuation of that. Like Peter says in verse, 1 Peter 2, 9, you are a chosen people, you are a royal priesthood, you are a holy nation, you are God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you did not receive mercy, now you have received mercy. So Peter is claiming that passage in Exodus. Do you see the connection there? Like you are the fulfillment of God's plan. That, that, that through you, you are a priesthood. What does a priest do? A priest brings someone into a connection with a deity. A priest is like a mediator between man and, and deity, you know, in, in the most generic sense. So as royal priesthood, we're chosen by God to be ambassadors, to bring people into a relationship with God. There's nothing special about, you know, somebody who's, full-time in the ministry like me or Steve or, 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 or Mark or, or Dustin or, or anybody. We're all the same. You know, some of us, we get to do this all the time, but, but we're all priests. We're all ministers of the gospel. If you're a disciple of Jesus, you are a part of this priesthood. You are a priest. So you can say that, you know, at your office. Hey, did you know that I'm a priest? Uh, did you know I've, I've been ordained? Because this says you've been ordained, doesn't it? You're ordained by God. So you are all ordained, if you're, if you're a disciple of Jesus, you're ordained priest. So tell your, somebody, your co- co-worker this week that you're ordained priest. Uh, and and the, the cool thing about this, though, is none of us are goody two-shoes. Like, none of us just, we, we just, I mean, I know if you're new to the fellowship, you, you might be like, man, these people are weird, because we're trying to live the Bible in our lives. We're trying not to just be Sunday Christians. So we're trying to, you know, Live like Jesus throughout the week. We all mess up. We all blow it. Though, but we all came from somewhere. We all have a past. And so the more you learn about us, you'll find out we, we, have a, a, we all have somewhere we came from. And we all still struggle with sin. But, but, but once we had not received mercy, now we have. Once we were in darkness, now we're in light. That wall of sin has been broken down, like Steve talked about last week. 
The curtain of the temple has been torn in two. So now we have this walk with God, and we want to share that with others. Uh, I appreciate, uh, Frank, I heard, I heard Gigi share about a story in, with the teens that her dad, Frank, you know, he shared his testimony on Easter. You guys remember that? So he shared his testimony. It was videotaped. Marshall, appreciate Marshall set up our whole streaming stuff and our video. So it was videotaped. So then he shares that video with an old friend. And the old friend is like, I can't believe this, you know, because he knows the old Frank. <laughs> I can't believe this. I can't believe he's doing, you know, this is Frank. What? You know, I can't believe it. So he wants to know more. So he flies in or drives in. Did he fly or drive? I don't know. Fl- flies in. And I'm sure you'll hear more about this story, but they study the Bible. The guy gets baptized in, a, in, a, in like a day and, uh, and then goes back. You know, why? Because Frank is a, is a living testimony, a living transformation. And so God used Frank. Yeah. Amen. And so the witness of Frank's testimony is what, what made all the difference. So that's the last thing we're going to talk about. We talked about Jesus risen from the dead. We talked about repentance and forgiveness of sins. In verse 48, Luke 24, you are witnesses of these things. So that's the last thing we're going to talk about, is being witnesses. You are witnesses. I love this picture. This is of a baptism. I honestly don't know who, who was getting baptized, but this is our group here. But I love this guy. Like He's about to run into somebody. <laughs> and this guy, too. You know, what's going on over there? And uh, so you know, how we live and who we are. Remember, we, we talked a few weeks ago that who you are, wherever you are, makes all the difference. It's not just like, okay, I got to make a difference on my evenings and weekends. Wherever you are during the week, you are a witness. You are a witness to what you've seen and heard. And it's interesting, he doesn't say, you are Bible experts, does he? He doesn't say, you are gifted theologians. He doesn't say, you have all the answers. I've given you all the answers. Now you can give all those answers to everyone else. He just says, you are witnesses. It doesn't take a lot of work to be a witness. I kind of like that. Do you know what I mean? Like, uh, I was just on a jury trial, and maybe sometime I'll tell you more about it, but, but the, the key testimony was from this guy that just happened to be there that saw what happened. And so he's an impartial party, and he saw it all. And I was thinking, I had that going in my mind uh, this last week when uh, Dustin and I saw an accident. We were on our way coming back from uh, getting our car. Um, my my uh, catalytic converter was stolen right out of my Prius overnight. I felt so violated. <laughs> it's like that email when somebody steals your kidneys or something, you know? Like, um, So anyway, but I was picking up, we were picking up the Prius, so we're waiting to turn left. And the light changed, so we could have gone, but Dessa, the, the gifted driver that she is, she noticed, okay, there's somebody still coming while well, the light is red. So some, somebody came screaming through, their light was red, even though we had a green light, so she didn't go. But this other woman was turning left, you know, opposite us, and, and pulled out, and the car ran into her. So we saw the whole thing perfectly well, and saw that that one car ran red. And so I went over there to talk to the lady because I had just been in this jury trial, so I know how important witnesses are. So I went over and talked to her and gave her a church card. And, you know, I was trying to just tell her, here's my information, I'll leave. But she was so shaken. And, you know, she was just like shaking like this. She was like, stay with me, you know. So I was like, okay. So I stayed with her until the cops came and everything. But I told her, I'm a witness. I saw everything that happened. So if you need somebody to, to you know, to speak, I, I saw what happened. And, 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 and so that's what it means to be a witness. It just means, here's what I've seen. And we've all, you know, if you've been around, you've seen things. You've seen God work in your own life. 
you've seen God change your own heart, or you've seen God change someone else's heart, or you've seen things in the scripture, you've seen God do things, that's our, our role is just to be a witness, just to point to, you don't have to have all the answers. You don't have to have the Bible figured out. You just got to be a witness. But if you are a disciple of Jesus, you are, have that responsibility, right? You have that responsibility to be a witness. And what is, how do we witness? What, what is it that the world is going to notice? Well, we all know this scripture, or hopefully you do. These are a lot of memory scriptures I'm sharing with you here today. But John 13, 34 and 35, Jesus said, A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know you are my disciples if you love one another. So the relationships we have with one another is what will be a witness to the world, Jesus says. How we love each other in this church. So that's why who you are in this fellowship matters a lot. You can't just kind of go, okay, I'm just going to be here on Sundays and kind of do my own thing. Like, we got to be connected with each other. We got to be in each other's lives. Right. You know, if you have a discipling relationship with somebody, and if, if you're visiting with us, what that means is just we get with somebody regularly and just talk about how we're doing. Uh, and, and we call it discipling because we're trying to help each other to be more like Jesus. So it's a friendship that helps each other to be like Jesus. And everyone that's a member of the church is supposed to have a discipling partner. But you know what? I don't know that all those people are, I don't know that we're all meeting. You know, I, I think a lot of times it's maybe on paper or it's just an idea. But, but we gotta, love takes work. Relationships take work. I don't think this just sort of happens. It, it, we, gotta, we gotta work it out in the moment where there's conflict that comes up, which always happens, you know, in any human relationship. We got to work those out, you know, keep, keep working out the conflict, keep working on our humility. Uh, but, but those relationships with each other is what will be a witness to the world. And so how can, how can the world see our relationships? We got to get out into the world together. Uh, or we got to bring the world in, you know, we got to bring people in to see our relationships, but that's what's going to really make a difference. Another thing is our unity. In John 17, a few chapters later, this is the night Jesus was betrayed. And interesting, he, he doesn't pray just for uh, his own apostles, but he prays for those who will believe through their testimony. So that's us. And when he prays for us, he says in verse 21, I pray that they will be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in them. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I've given them the glory you gave me that they may be one as we are one. I in them and you in me so that they may be brought to complete unity, then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them, even as you have loved me. Gosh, Jesus puts a lot of pressure on our relationships, doesn't he? He puts a lot of pressure on our unity. He says, when they're unified, then the world will know. And, and haven't you noticed that that's Satan's biggest tool with Christianity, is, is division and conflict. And, and uh, you know, my son was helping me with this last, last week because the, the church next door put this giant flag out front, you know, last week. And I didn't like that, <laughs> you know, it was bothering me. Because, you know, we pay to meet here and this is our place. And, you know, don't put a huge flag out there, you know. And so my son was helping me with, well, we got to be, you know, united. We got to, you know, be positive and be good neighbors. And I'm like, you're absolutely right. Like, we don't want Satan to get into, you know, that's what Satan does. Christians have a rap of being judgmental and being hypocritical. You know, if you ask average people in South Bay what they think of Christians, that's what they'll say. Oh, they're judgmental and they're hypocritical. And so our love, our unity is what's going to really be a testimony. And that means loving and appreciating people within the fellowship who are different than us. And when it comes to reaching all nations, that means being willing to get out of your comfort zone. Being willing to do something different. You know, when I was um, 
growing up, I grew up in Colorado. I was born in Florida, but grew up in Colorado since I was seven. And uh, moved out here in 1993 as a missionary. And I remember moving out here, like everything was really different. And you know, you have your stereotype of LA, you know, when you're in Colorado. And at the time, in 1993, we just had here the, the riots and stuff, you know, the Rodney King riots had just taken place. Everything was burning and, you know, uh, people are like, you're going to L.A.? Like, why are you going there? Uh, it, it was $200 to rent a U-Haul to come this way, and it was 2000 to rent a U-Haul to go that way because everybody was trying to get out of L.A. So everybody's like, why are you moving there? But, but I really had that sense of, okay, I'm going to be a missionary, and I want to figure it out, you know? And, you know, you, uh, you know yo, surf's up, dude, you know? Like, I'm going to try to be like California, you know? Like, that's, you know, the stereotype, right? That's not at all what it's like once you get here, but... So I remember having that, that missionary mentality. But, but, but now I've been here a long time, you know, and it can get, be easy to get comfortable. I'm reminded when I go back to Colorado uh, and, uh, you know, I'm in, in the Denver suburbs or in Evergreen, and it's like everybody's white, everybody dresses just like me, everybody listens to the music I like, you know, which is kind of like alternative, like Coldplay, you know, stuff. Uh, everybody, it's like all the music, all the people, it's like this is super comfortable. They're active, they like the mountains, it's just... But it's, it's comfortable, but it's almost like, ooh, I don't really like that. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm used to diversity, you know? I'm used to kind of what we have here, and so that's a good thing. Uh, but I got to stay on the mission field. You know, I got to stay trying to reach new people. I got I to gotta stay trying to expand the, the, the horizon of God's kingdom wherever I am. Because there's hungry and hurting people all around us, isn't there? Uh, just yesterday, I was... Uh, Dust and I were, were walking in. We were going to meet the Toomeys. We were on our way to meet somewhere, and this woman walked up to us, and she said, I'm, I'm really hungry. You know, can you give me some money, and, or, or can you buy me some food? I'm, I'm hungry. And we gave her some money. We, we couldn't, you know, normally we'll maybe buy somebody some food, but it's just right there in, in you know, Hollywood Riviera. You know, here's this hungry woman. Uh, and, and a little bit later, I'm walking the dog on a walk, and th- th- this couple is talking on the sidewalk, and I kind of walk by, and the woman walks away from the guy, and then as I'm kind of walking by, he's like, uh, He's saying something. We haven't finished this conversation. And she's like, I can't hear you. I can't hear you. And he's like, oh, that's cute. He's like, don't walk away from me. And, you know, they were obviously in some argument. And it just reminded me, like, people need help. Uh, and he walked away in a huff. And so I didn't get to talk to him. But, you know, I, I, pr- I said a prayer for him. Like, I don't know what he's going through. I don't know what their relationship is. I don't know if they're a married couple that's fighting or what. But, but people give the impression that everything's together, but it's not. You know, everybody's shocked. Anthony Bourdain, you know, killed himself on Friday and 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 uh and the 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 other woman uh, yeah and and i can't you know people are like what they had everything and on the news uh friday night they said that suicide rate has got, gone up by 30 percent in recent years you know 30 percent the suicide rate has gone up uh people don't have the answers and we have the answers i mean we know where the answers are and so we've got to be, be witnesses. And so figure out what, what does that mean for you? you got to, it, it, would God say you are a witness on a global mission? If so, what should that look like right now? Would God say you are a witness on a global mission? Or do you want to be a witness on a global mission? If so, what should your life look like right now? And I just encourage you to take a minute to jot something down in your notes. I put a space in the... In, in the um, in the app where you can write something down. You got to figure out what does that mean for me to be on a, on a mission? You know, I, 
I'm still trying to figure that out. I'm always trying to do new things to reach new people. You know, I, I got to make sure I meet people wherever I am. And I appreciate Steve sharing at the Singles Midweek about how he wears, he wears Steelers jerseys or wears Star Wars stuff. And that's not just because he likes Steelers or likes Star Wars, but it's because it's an easy way to talk to people. And so he started a conversation with somebody about the Steelers, and now they, they joined the married small group, and they're, they're in their lives and became friends through just the jersey he was wearing, right? Uh, so meeting people wherever, wherever we are, but I, I'm also trying a couple other things, and I'm not sharing this to, I, I'm not saying, hey, look at me, I'm just saying, just to give you ideas. Like, you got to figure out what, what does it mean for you to be a missionary? Like, Marco is amazing uh, evangelist, you know, if you know Marco Pelzerian. You know, he, we've been friends a long time, and so I was trying to, you know, I tried to do a little bit his technique. What he would do, he would go to 24-hour fitness, and uh, so he would just kind of catch somebody's eye, like a guy's eye, and everybody has their earphones on, right? They're working out. So he sees a guy with their earphones, and he go, so the person would, like, lift their headphones, and then Marco would just go, hey, you want to go to my church? <laughs> and, you know, and the guy would kind of be so taken aback that it was kind of like, uh, I don't know, like, you know, but sometimes he'd find people that wanted to go, you know, uh, and he started a conversation on, on the treadmill with a, the girl who was working out next, next to him, and that was, that, you know, that was Nareen, and Nareen got baptized, and Nerika got baptized, and Nareen got baptized, and Nemo got baptized, and now, uh, you know, DK and Nareen just got married, uh, Nareen just got married, and, you know, God is moving in that family all because of that one conversation at 24-Hour Fitness, you know, so, so I was going to 24 hour fitness. I was just like, I would try, but I'm like, I can't do it. <laughs> you know, I, I shared with a guy in the hot tub, you know, it just still feels weird. It just feels weird, you know. I, 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 I shared with a guy, uh, I shared with a guy in the locker room, you know. Uh, but it was weird. I just, I'm like, I'm like, God, I can't do this. I want to be like Marco, but I can't. So, uh, so I just, just recently, we, we were going to 24 Hour Fitness about like the last few years, but we just quit 24 Hour Fitness. We went back to the YMCA. So now I'm back at the YMCA and I'm playing volleyball. And now Ben is there and Ben and I play volleyball together. So it's like, oh, this is great. So I've met all these people and I got all their names written down and I keep adding little notes about them. I, that's probably weird if they find, find it, but it's on my phone. <laughs> but I'm genuinely just trying to meet people and, and know people, right, and build friendships. So it's not just only meeting strangers, but like I'm building friendships. And so I've been out to the beach to play volleyball with some of them. And, you know, we've exchanged numbers and Ben and I are kind of tag teaming. you know, he's coming all the time. And then one of the guys that I've been playing volleyball with for a while, he came to this, we're doing a, a songwriters get together once a month. And the point of that is to help us in our songwriting, but also to reach out to people, right? So he came to that. So anyway, I feel way better. Like, okay, I can do the volleyball. I can do the songwriters thing. I got something I'm doing, you know? But everybody here, if you're a disciple of Jesus, you are a witness on a global mission. So you got to figure out what does that mean in my life? What does it mean in my neighborhood? What does it mean in my school? How can I be a witness? Like not just be into my own shell, but how can I be a witness wherever I am? Uh, you know, you got to be willing to sacrifice your own comfort for God's glory and for rescuing people. Thanks for listening to the South Bay Church Podcast. For other sermons, videos, upcoming events, and more about our church, please visit southbaychurch.us.